Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. Uh, Gabe might have taken his mic off, but I got to preach, so I'm going to keep mine on for a little bit longer. Uh, but it is good to be with you this morning. Shout out to all of those of you who are the first, this is the first time you've ever been on our live stream. We are so glad that you're hanging out with us today. There's so many options now, which is, I love how available the gospel is online, but there's so many options for you. So if you're hanging here, stop scrolling, stop moving. Let's get into the word of God together. Uh, I think it will be a good time. Our church really believes that we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city One thing that we're not lost on is that this is the Lord's mission and that we are playing a small part in that. We're excited about all that God is doing here in Brooklyn and in Bed-Stuy and in the surrounding neighborhoods. And we're we're just grateful to be a small part of what God has been doing in his (laughs) meta-narrative. We're so glad to be playing a part in what God is doing in the grand scheme of uh, history and we get to play this part in it. Well, I'm excited about the word. It is time to preach the word of God. Do me a favor, grab your Bibles and get to Psalm 23 in the Old Testament. Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. I am, uh, I got mixed emotions today. I really do. I have mixed emotions this morning. This is our last Sunday in this building uh, doing service. And we have, by God's grace, seen so much fruit from this building people being baptized, people giving their life to the Lord, marriages restored, uh, babies were born through, not in the building, but throughout the season of us being in the building. And uh, leaders were made, disciples were made, deacons were appointed, elders were appointed. I mean, God just did an amazing work in our time in this uh, in this building. And through the last year and a half, we've been, not been physical in here, but we've been virtual. And because we've been virtual, Um, I just want to shout out all of those of you who have served and maybe you're in this room here now or you're in the building now and you're in the tech room now or maybe you've just played a part over the last year and a half since we've been virtual and created the ability to stream our services. I just want to give a shout out to y'all. Thank God for Ed. Y'all give Ed some love in the... Thank you. Shout out to Ed, man. He's... uh, I mean, he really put his hand to the plow and we had no clue how to stream services, you know, and, and Ed came and figured it out and, and got the right people in place and put the lights and everything up and just shout out to Ed and not just Ed, but everybody that fell under that tech. If you ever stood behind the camera, if you ever took that stabilizer camera and, you know, had your arms sore because you were kind of just, you know, streaming everything and worship team and if you've ever played an instrument here if you've ever sang here if you've ever preached here throughout the time we were in this um, pandemic I just want to shout you out man this is uh this is a surreal moment and I I don't want to rush past it I really want to sit here for a second and thank God for his faithfulness in this building and I look forward to what he's going to do in the next space with more room uh, that that we can, you know, be stretched out a little bit, but we can also be close, far but yet so close. And I'm excited about all that he's doing. All right, my last Sunday, I I wanna I wanna do what I did on my first Sunday in here, and that's preach about Jesus. That's what I love to do, and throughout 
our time in this building, we, I, I didn't count, but we have, I mean, countless times come in this room and been able to open up the word of God and find Christ and find healing and find hope and find restoration. And I'm, I'm excited to do what I always do, and that's preach about Jesus. I got four verses for you in Psalm 23. Why don't you pick me up in verse one? Very, 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 very familiar passage. Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to preach today from the topic entitled confidence in our shepherd. Confidence in our shepherd. And my hope and, and goal by the end of this sermon is for those of you who have trusted in Jesus, that you would grow in your confidence in the shepherding and the pastoring that Jesus does uh, in our lives. And if you don't know Jesus, if you aren't a believer, we are glad that you're on, first of all. But second of all, we want to point you to a good shepherd, a great shepherd, a shepherd that will care for you and will comfort you. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to preach to your people. And this last Sunday in this building, Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word. I don't want to add anything to this text. I don't want to take anything away from it. But I want to be so careful and faithful today to point people toward Jesus, our great shepherd, to do the work in our lives as we talk about Jesus today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Confidence in our shepherd. Chris, I'm told of a fictitious story of these two flocks, these sheep that were grazing in adjacent fields. And these two different flocks were divided by a fence. And one of the flocks had sheep that were filled with strength and health, and they were cared for by a faithful shepherd. And the other side of that fence was a flock of sheep that were filled with weak and sickly and suffering sheep because of the negligence and the carelessness of their shepherd. And in this fictitious story, one of the sick, sick and weak sheep made his way to the fence and then collapsed. And as the strong sheep were walking by, they were seeing this sick sheep and they were laughing at him and they were mocking him because of his condition. And finally, the strongest of all the sheep walked up to the fence to which the sickly sheep looked up and said, go ahead and mock me like the others are doing. To which the strongest sheep said, I will not. For if it were not for my shepherd, I would look just like you. And this is what we get in the shepherding of Jesus. Oftentimes we think that we're good sheep and we think that our health depends on us maintaining a good standing of being a good sheep. In reality, you're only as healthy as your shepherd. It is your shepherd that gives you the comfort and the, and, and the strength and the, the, the power that you need. So in our text today, we're going to point you to this great shepherd. Now, Psalm 23, many people have memorized this passage. It is known, uh, Charles Hatton Spurgeon will call this the pearl of the Psalms. Out of all the Psalms, 
This is the most known psalm. It, it, no, nothing else even comes into comparison. Everybody knows Psalm 23. In fact, some would suggest that Psalm 23 is the John 3.16 of the Old Testament, meaning that it's just a familiar passage. Unbelievers know Psalm 23. Believers know Psalm 23. Mature believers know Psalm 23. Immature believers know Psalm 23. It has been memorized by children. Psalm 23 has been recited at weddings. It has been read at sick beds, preached at funerals, consulted in counseling. This psalm, this psalm has even been put into songs. Believers and non-believers know this passage, but I would argue that Psalm 23 really is the exclusive testimony for those who have trusted in Jesus. Let me say it another way. Psalm 23 is the exclusive testimony to those who have been shepherded by Jesus. A non-believer cannot claim any right to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is for the believer. And the inscription above the text says, I don't know if you see this, a Psalm of David. That's all we know about this psalm. We, we do not know if David composed this when he was a young shepherd boy or an old wise king. We do not know if David wrote this in a joyous season or if one of those, if it was one of those seasoning, seasons of threatening difficulties. But what we don't know about the passage does not hinder us from what we do know about the passage. Here's what we know, that David understood that he followed and served a great shepherd. I'd actually say it's probably good that we don't know the occasion for the passage because that way it can be applied to many different circumstances in our life. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. In fact, David knows in this passage, even though he is a shepherd in real life, he knows that in this passage, he's not the shepherd. He knows in this passage that you are not the shepherd. Let me help those of you who are in this room. You are not the shepherd of this, past, uh, of this passage. I'm not the shepherd of this passage. You at home are not the shepherd of this passage. There's only one person that can claim rights to being the shepherd of this passage, passage, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me show you some scripture. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, now may the God of peace who brought you from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the great shepherd. First Peter chapter five will go on to say that Jesus is the chief shepherd. I just ran through three passages that say he's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd and he's the chief shepherd. And here's the question on the table this morning. Is he your shepherd? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you submitted your life to Jesus pastoring you, walking with you and Talking with you, David certainly knows that God, that Christ is his shepherd. Note the two personal pronouns in verse one. This is how you know David understood this. He says in verse one, the Lord is, watch the personal pronoun, my shepherd. He then goes on to say, I shall not want two times. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. He's, he's mine. But not only that. I, this is a personal testimony of David, I shall not want. David understood that this statement would have shook the readers in ancient time because it was known that they would often only refer to God in the context of community. They would say, our God. 
For, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. But David says, bump that. I, I know he's, Israel God. he's Israel's God, but he's also my personal God. Because Israel forgot that the God of Israel actually is the God of individuals. Let me help you out, Epiphany. The God of Epiphany Church is a personal God if you've trusted in him. He's your God. You can say this, what David says, he's my shepherd. And I shall not want, sometimes we can be guilty as well, of only knowing Jesus in the context of community. Let me say that again. We can be guilty of only knowing Jesus in the context of community, which is why the pandemic rocks so many people, because they don't know Jesus at home. They only know him in church. We only, we only know the Jesus where we can come together and worship. But it's good to worship in church, but it's better when you know how to worship him at home. It's good to pray in church, but you got to learn how to develop a prayer life at home. It's good to sing in the church, but it ain't nothing like being at home and cleaning your house and vacuuming and singing and worshiping Jesus or sweeping. Everybody had a grandmother that knew how to worship at home. Let me tell you something. We only know Jesus in the context of the body, but the God of the body is the God of individuals. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. Christ is our shepherd and he's our shepherd. And what's beautiful about it is we're sheep and sheep are prone to wander. Also note the present testimony that he makes here. David says that the Lord is my shepherd. He does not say he was my shepherd. David isn't looking back at a time where God used to be his shepherd David is not fantasizing over time in the future when he gets himself together that Christ will be his shepherd. That's somebody's testimony right now. You're like, he used to be my shepherd, but I wandered off. No, he's looking for you. That's why you're on today. Because he's looking for you. He's still your shepherd. David gives us a present testimony of the present pastoring of our God. This is a real-time testimony of how Jesus is walking with David right now. And so whatever situation you're currently in, just know that Jesus is there. Know that Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us, but he's always there. Christ and Christ alone will satisfy us as well. Notice the text here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He satisfies our deepest longings. I shall not want. I remember when I was growing up, the church would do an altar call. And it really was an altar call that was more like a buffet style. It was like, you get Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. You get Jesus and a car. You get Jesus and a house. You get Jesus and the job. And you get Jesus. And after a while, we start cluttering the cross. We get Jesus plus a bunch of other stuff. But the beauty in Christianity is that you get Jesus and he's enough. I don't need everything else. Now, yes, grind, get those things, but don't add those things as part of anything religious. Jesus and Jesus alone satisfies us. He says, David says, He's my shepherd and I don't want for anything. Why? Because he satisfies me. He gives me the nutrients, the nutrients that I need. Goes on here in verse two and says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He's still moving us along with this sheep and shepherd metaphor. He leads me to the green waters, to the still waters. And he makes me lie down in green pastures. These two statements here are a great metaphor of a sheep and a shepherd. When he talks about him taking me to green pasture, but not just leaving me there, but making me lie down, shows us how he nourishes us. 
Sheep are not able to feed themselves. Sheep, sheep don't cook. Sheep don't hunt. Sheep don't go to the store and get food. And that, that's not what sheep do. Sheep, sheep are on, they are 100% dependent on their shepherd leading them to green pastures. But just notice that this pasture just can't be any old pasture. The pasture in which David is talking about, he says it has to be green pasture. The reason it has to be green is because sheep are dumb. Sheep, sheep will eat anything. And so if you take us to a poisonous field or, or a field that doesn't give me nutrients, they'll eat anything. And so the shepherd, the good shepherd knows that he's not just going to take us to a field, but he's going to take us to a green field. And anything that the world can offer might taste good at the moment, but it's always like cotton candy. The moment you bite down on it, it's gone. But Jesus takes you to stuff that lasts takes me to green pasture. But once he leads us to green pasture, every now and then there are some sheep that don't know when they got it good. They don't know when they're in green pasture. And so while all the other sheep begin to drop and graze on the field, every now and then there are a few sheep that will stay standing. And so a good shepherd knows that you may not get this meal later, so I'm going to go over and force you, make you to lie down. He's going to push us toward health. And there are times when the shepherd would lead his sheep to green pastures and he would have to force them to lie down. And this is what Christ does with us. When he sees us ignorant to his goodness, when he sees that we're not paying attention to the blessings that he has given us in our life, he forces us to see it. He makes us to lie down in green pasture. But don't just notice that the pasture is green. Notice that the water is still. He says that he leads us beside the still water because once sheep have satisfied their hunger, they then need something to drink. But sheep, once again, are not the smartest animals, so they would run to rushing water and the water would coat their fur and they would lose their equilibrium and fall over into the water that is moving. And so what a good shepherd would do is before he leads his sheep into the water, he would take rocks. And he would build a dam. And so while the water was rushing around the, the sheep, they were drinking from still water. And in other words, he protects them. He doesn't only give them something to drink, but he keeps them safe simultaneously. And you probably are wondering, how did the Lord keep you from rushing water? You have no clue. How many times this week the Lord saw the rushing water and took the, the, the rocks and built a dam so that you could be safe. Many of us have no clue how many times God protected us. We, we know of the stuff that he's done and praise God for the things that you did that I've seen. But like grandma used to say, he kept us from danger seen and unseen. I praise God for the stuff that we don't even know about. Let me mess you up. Stuff that you'll never know about. You, you'll never know some of the stuff that he kept you from. You'll, you'll never know how that relationship wasn't good for you, so he pulled you out of it. You'll, you'll, you'll never know how you were about to get on that highway, and then you forgot something at the house, and you had to go back and get it, and then you got on the highway, and you saw an accident. You never know how he kept us. But the Bible says that the good shepherd keeps the sheep from running into wading water, water that is moving, so he knows how to build a dam so that they're drinking from still water. The Bible says he takes us to green pasture, but he doesn't only do that. He 
then takes them and gives them still water. This sounds like a great shepherd. It sounds like I don't need anything else. But watch this. Even sheep that have good shepherds still wander. How do I know that? Because verse three says, he restores my soul. You only need restoration if you've wandered off. You only need to be restored if you've made a mistake. And so the God that knows how to lead you to substance is the God that also knows how to restore you when you've messed up. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody that's ever made a mistake. I don't know if anybody that's on right now that you could say, you know what, this week I've, I've messed up a few times. I haven't always crossed every T and haven't always dotted every I. And so I need to know that I have confidence in the shepherd that when I mess up, won't beat me, won't punish me, won't knock me out. But this type of a shepherd will restore me. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. Luke chapter 15 tells of a story of a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off and the, the Bible says that this good shepherd goes and takes the sheep and throws them on his shoulder and brings them back to the fold. We serve a shepherd that restores us, that sees us messed up and said there's grace for that. There's mercy for that. Let me restore their soul. And if you're in here and you're struggling, if you're struggling, you're like, oh, man, God could never love me. How many people feel like that? God, I could never be in a relationship with God because I mess up too much. He restores my soul. He desires to restore you today. And you have a shepherd that cares for that restoration. There's somebody on right now. I'm, I'm not. It's not lost on me. There's somebody on right now that's struggling with sexuality and struggling with porn and there's somebody else that's struggling with an addiction and struggling in a sinful relationship right now God can restore you verse three says he restores my soul have you ever needed restoration before have you ever fell down have you ever messed up well you can get it right today because we serve a God that loves to restore us. After he restores us, he provides guidance. The Bible says he leads me on the path. I love this. Please underline this in your Bibles. For his name's sake. I literally circled it, drew a line out to the margin and wrote dope. For his name's sake. He doesn't do it for you. He does it because his reputation is on the line. There's a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's by W. Philip Keller. And in the book, he talks about how a shepherd would raise his sheep for their wool. And what he would do is he would take them to the market to sell that wool. But he'd have to be careful. He'd have to pick the right path so that they don't fall over and get bruised. Because when you get to the market, your sheep have to look great. And when you got to the market, what the merchant would do is the merchant would examine the sheep. He would look around the sheep and he'd move the sheep around and he'd pass that one through and he'd take the next sheep and he would, the merchant all day would examine the sheep. But every now and then, when the merchant would see a shepherd that he knows cares for his sheep, he would no longer examine the sheep. He would accept the sheep based on the reputation of the shepherd. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but we have a, a shepherd that has a perfect reputation. We have a shepherd that knows how to care for his sheep. And God, the merchant, accepts us not because he has to examine all of the wrong things that have, we've done in our life. But he looks at the shepherd and says, oh, you, that's your sheep? Come on in here. And doesn't even examine you. Why? Because it's based on the reputation of the shepherd. It says here in verse 3, for his namesake. Jesus does it because 
His very name is on the line. Man, I read a story. It was an article that was talking about how brilliant Albert Einstein was. And in the story, it talked about how reporters once asked Albert Einstein's wife if she knew her husband's theory of relativity. To which she responded, no, but I know my husband. And if he said it, I know it's true. That's reputation. And that's what we get in Christ in a greater way, that Christ is a perfect shepherd. And therefore, God accepts the sheep based on the shepherd. Here's the gospel. You and I are accepted by God based on the reputation of Jesus and Jesus alone. Not stuff, not my works, but I am accepted not because I'm a good sheep, but because I'm a bad sheep that serves a good shepherd. Somebody should say amen, amen. right there. Verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Notice now that we are out of the green pastures. Have y'all picked this up in this room now that we're now out of the still water and we're now in the valley. And the Bible says this isn't just a valley, but it is the valley of the shadow of death. Verse two was a moment that you could rejoice that you were in green pasture. But now we're looking at verse number four and we are in the dark valley. And what I love most about David and David's confidence in his shepherd is he doesn't switch up when he's in the valley. The same confidence that he had in the green pasture, he has in the valley. The same love that he had while he was eating from green pasture, he still has while he's in the valley. And what's dope about the promise about being in the valley is it would be sufficient if Jesus would say, when you come out of the valley, I'll be on the other side. But it doesn't say that. It says, even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, Christ, the shepherd, is with us even while we're in the valley. And I don't know what your dark valley is. And maybe you're in that season right now. What, what is your dark valley? It could be a sick bed. It could be a sick loved one. Your dark valley could be a bad relationship. Your dark valley could be the death of a loved one. Or uh, your dark valley could be unemployment. Your dark valley could be divorce. But it doesn't matter. Whatever your dark valley is, God is with you in it. The shepherd is with you in it. He says, we're passing through this thing. Not only are we passing through this thing, it's just a shadow. It's not actually the real thing. It's, you're not dying. It's just a shadow of death, but God is with us. Matthew chapter 20, uh, 28 verse 20 says, behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. God is our refuge and our strength. The Bible says in a very present help. Jesus says, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. The God we serve never leaves us. The shepherd never disowns us, but he is always with us, even while we're in the valley. And maybe you came on today and you're feeling defeated. And you're feeling like God certainly feels like God isn't around. David felt like that was was so interesting about Psalm 23 is if you keep reading the Psalms, there are moments where David is like, God, where are you? David goes on this roller coaster in Psalms. Sometimes he's like, God, you're with me everywhere. And sometimes he's like, God, I don't know where you are. But the reality is he never leaves us. He's always right there. And so the strength of our relationship as with God is not because we're good sheep, but it is the good shepherd. Let me say that again. The strength of our relationship is not based on if you're good sheep, but it's based on if you serve a good shepherd. Who is it today that needs to develop that confidence in the shepherding of Jesus? 
Who is it today that needs to build on what you started when you trusted in the good shepherd? Have you ever experienced him as a great shepherd? Have you ever experienced him as a comforter? You know, it's only in seasons of loss, Amani, that we get to understand that he really is a comforter. It's only in a season of troubles and, and trials and tribulation that we get to understand that he actually upholds us and sustains us. I want to pray for somebody today. Somebody that knows that you need restoration. You've messed up. You did it. Okay. There's restoration. There is a shepherd that is there to restore your souls. Sheep always wander. And there is somebody that has wandered off. You've been gone. You've been disconnected. Seemingly disconnected. But God is there. Has a good shepherd in your life. Today's the day. Acknowledge him today. Matthew 10 says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my father. Today is the day to trust in this shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being our shepherd. We thank you that we don't have to run and try to find different shepherds. Nobody can pastor us like you. Nobody can love us like you. Why? Because no one ever died for our sins. That's real love. The fact that you would give up your life for the sheep. The fact that you would give up being worshipped in heaven to come down, as Philippians says, to empty yourself. Father, we thank you for the good shepherd in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, today as we end this last service in this room, we do so rejoicing over our great shepherd. We do so marveling at the work of our great shepherd, the one who conquered sin and conquered shame and conquered death. The one that is massive, that the entire universe is upheld in his hands. That shepherd comes close to me and holds my hand and walks with me. Father, I thank you for the shepherding and the pastoring of Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen.